What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it is currently wet AF over here in Los Angeles as we are experiencing day two out of four of what's pretty much been monsoon weather here. Speaking of wetness, though, do you know what hasn't been too wet for the Lakers recently? They're jump shooting, Ooh. specifically from the three-point land and the free throw stripe. Ayo, get a shooting coach. Your shots are not wet. Although, Svi and Lonzo may have something to say about that, but... Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Tonight's game was actually an improvement from the three-point arc. Uh, the Lakers shot 8 for 26, 30%. Do you know, since the new year, what the Lakers are shooting from three-point land? 33, 31%. Nah, bro, they are dead last at 27-ish percent. Wow! Oh, yeah, yeah, so not wet at all. But having said that, it is day two out of four with regards to this monsoon weather. Tommy, how are you doing and how have you been staying dry? Um, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, I have, I, I don't know. I've just been going to work and not going outside, you know, so I, I've been staying dry that way. I kind of feel like bum rushing a Uniqlo right now and getting all those uh, water resistant clothes that they have, but I know I'll just end up buying a lot of stuff I won't end up using till next year because... This rarely this is, happens in L.A. It's rained as much this week as it has, I think, in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and the Lakers could use some of that rain, but thank God for the Chicago Bulls at the very least. Tonight's episode is going to be a quick one. We're going to briefly talk about the game and the recent developments that have happened with the starting unit. LeBron James potentially being reevaluated and coming back soon. Thank God. But mostly we're going to talk about the young core and... 
not in the ways that we've talked about the Young Corps recently. We're just going to talk about the shifting ideals of the front office and how the Young Corps will have to adapt to that and how Lakers fans will have to adapt to that because thus far we have been trusting the process and we've been thinking that with LeBron James here and Max Cap Space that the superstar plus Young Corps plan is going to go hand in hand together and I think recent developments have shown that that may just not be the case. And uh, I think with the trade deadline looming, we started thinking about how that might affect the Lakers and what the Lakers might be thinking heading into that. So we're going to get into some of our thoughts on that. And uh, I guess it'll be a mini trade deadline primer, I guess. With that said, before we get into anything, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that is a free throw added. We'll be tacking on to the Lakers total amount of free throws made in their next game because Lord knows them and their league worst 68% free throw shooting need it. Tonight, what did they have from the free throw line? Was it any better? Nope. They shot 23 of 34 from the free throw line, 67.6%. We're not going to have a review of the night, but... You know, Alan's not here with us, but I, I hung out with him on Friday, and uh, little did you know, Tommy, that Alan has been working on a new impression, and I got him to record it for us uh, tonight, and so in lieu of a iTunes rating and review reading, we're going to have Josh Hart uh, just give us a little something-something. <laughs> so uh, give me that here we go. Hope you can hear this. Oh, I mean, uh, tonight's just, you know, a tough game, and, uh, you know, um, you know, sometimes we just uh, stop communicating on, uh, on defense, and, uh, you know, it's, it's simple, though, you know, bas- basketball's not a hard game, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Kuz out here, you know, he's, he's doing his thing, and, uh, you, know, co- you know, Luke's, he's, just keeps telling me, encourage me to, you know, be aggressive and stuff like that, and uh, just move on to the next one, you know, that's it. Anything else? Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Could you hear any of that? It's kind of. I can hear a little bit. Okay, okay. Well, I'll I'll blast it for the audience. But I thought Alan got his Josh Hart on point. I don't know about you, but the more I've heard Josh Hart in in recent interviews, that's not the voice I was expecting out of him. I I was expecting something a little more Richard Jefferson esque and a little more nerdy. Wait, have you never heard? Have you not heard Josh? hard speak before not as much as i have this year for whatever reason and i guess when alan started doing the impression i think i've always thought about this i just haven't um expressed my thoughts on it and he just doesn't sound the way that i, I thought he would with all his uh Fortnite talk and office references and well, that's what i'm saying he definitely does not sound like how you would imagine him him to sound like uh but i i think maybe i'm just not that surprised because <laughs> I, I watched him play Fortnite a few times for like <laughs> A, c- a couple hours, you know, like over the course of like three days or something. And, and so I kind of got used to his voice. Sure, sure. So well done, Alan. We'll have him do that live on air and, and read a review for us. So there's Josh Hart. With that said, Tommy, before we get into our topic of the night with regards to is time ticking down on the young core. Lonzo! <laughs> Lonzo, yeah. So I don't want to talk too much about the Bulls game outside of, yes, Lonzo Ball played amazingly. Brandon Ingram, very controlled game. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. Probably had, should have had a triple-double had Zvi and JaVale hit some of their shots. Lonzo Ball almost had a triple-double, 19-8-6. Kyle Kuzma struggled with his three-point shot again, as usual, but did offer a lot more defensive intensity, especially against Larry Markkinen, and also just a lot of Activity in, in general. 16 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 turnovers. was kind of out of control. He needs to cut those turnovers down. Yeah, we were, Tommy and I were talking about it uh, before the uh, before we started recording, but Kyle Kuzma right now kind of looks like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde in terms of how he looks on the court. Sometimes he looks very fluid. Other times he looks very clunky. And uh, it's almost like Julius Randle, his second year, and then Ben Simmons sometimes. How fluidly Ben Simmons runs the court, and then how clunkily Julius Randle did in his second year. We're seeing that from Kyle Kuzma. And more often than not, unfortunately, it's been more of the uh, ramming into guys and turning the ball over variety. Um, I would really like him to work on his handle this offseason. I know he worked on his post moves, and that's been great. We've seen dividends in that regard, and he's worked on his strength. uh, But he really needs to work on his handles uh, this upcoming um, offseason. With that said, Tommy, the Bulls game, I tweeted it out tonight and said, 
You know, the Lakers were up by 18 at one point. The end of the game was just mishmash garbage. Without Lonzo Ball, I'm not sure where the Lakers would be tonight. Again, more thank God for the Chicago Bulls than anything else. But I think the overriding, my overriding thoughts on this game is just the Lakers right now are just playing a a brand of listless basketball that's just joyless and not fun to watch. And especially when you're playing a team like the Chicago Bulls, there's not really a lot you can glean from this type of win. You just hope that they do their job. And I guess they did their job, but it was it was maybe only a quarter and a half of really enjoyable basketball where the team seemed to show some life. Obviously, on the defensive end, it was all there. Thank God that they're not letting their offense affect their defense. But And, and we'll get to the overriding issues um, that were seen in this game, but kind of... Uh, are symptomatic of the team as a whole, how they're constructed currently. But yeah, just what are your thoughts on the Chicago Bulls uh, quote-unquote win tonight? Um, Like you said, not a whole lot you could take from it. Um, We didn't play well. I'm not going to say we didn't deserve to win. I mean, we played better than the Bulls. The Bulls are completely trash uh, and they're horribly coached. But So I'm not going to say we didn't deserve to win, but it just is not a satisfying win. Individual performances you could take and and look at and say like okay bi had like you said had a solid game when he's two for one assist to turnover ratio I think if I don't know the exact numbers but we we play a lot better Lonzo this might have been the first game in Lonzo's career where he started the game super poorly shooting and then finished super strong right. it's usually you know it's if anything it's the opposite but usually if you know he starts i think he started the game 1 for 5 i know he started like 0 for 4 from 3 um he had some misses you know near the rim and he was like hanging his head and it's like that's usually a sign that this fool's going to go 2 for 9 <laughs> you know what i mean and and he just turned it around and he got super hot in the third and i almost wish he was more aggressive but uh yeah not a ton to take from the game overall Yeah, I really, really like Lonzo's aggression with uh, he had that one really nice uh, push in transition where he took it to the defense and actually finished with his right hand. Typically, he finishes with his left. But tonight, he took it to three defenders and uh, really forced the issue in and got that right-handed layup in transition to go down. And then from there, the two back-to-back threes that he took. I think in total, he had three in a row. um, But the the two back-to-back threes that he hit, you could just tell... I mean, confidence is such a huge thing for Lonzo Ball, and I think tonight's game was very indicative of that. When when this guy is confident and has it going, he's just like a totally different player, and he, you can tell the shots where Lonzo Ball just decides to chuck it up because he knows he needs to, or because it's been hot potato around the perimeter, or because he hasn't shot in a while and needs to do something, versus the shots where Lonzo Ball's like, I'm going to take this with some intentionality and I'm going to will the ball to go in the basket. And uh, I think we saw some of that tonight. So great by Lonzo Ball. He was really the pulse of the team tonight. Um, But I think overall in general, um, the team played with a lot of uh, energy and intensity on the defensive end. Uh, the big thing tonight was the lineup change. Uh, Tyson Chandler entered the starting unit with uh, in place of JaVale McGee. Uh, KCP in place of Josh Hart. And... I think after one night, Luke said this would just be a one-game sort of thing, but uh, I think it worked. Obviously, it's just the Chicago Bulls, but the trends have kind of been going this direction anyways with JaVale McGee's defensive metrics just being pretty piss poor since he came back from pneumonia and Tyson Chandler actually doing a better job in spite of the fact that it may not be as obvious or blatant on the court. Um, And then KCP... Uh, again, he had 17 points tonight, played great defense, and you know I think has just been much more of a factor than than Josh Hart these days. I think outside of the Dallas game, Josh Hart has been somewhat of a ghost uh, recently. So just your quick thoughts on the starting unit flip. Uh, I like it. I hope they stick with it for a while uh, for two reasons. Number one, I think Tyson Chandler sets way better screens. Besides the defense, Tyson Chandler sets way uh, – not way better, but he sets better screens than JaVale. And uh, we have so many guys in the starting lineup that want to go one-on-one. And then we have Lonzo, who doesn't necessarily want to go one-on-one, but he uh, wants to get... He likes to use uh, screens to get into the paint to create passing options. So we have a lot of guys that need to utilize screens, and it's nice to have Tyson Chandler out there for that. And then number two... Although KCP didn't shoot particularly well, he is a willing shooter. He's a veteran. He's been in the league uh, quite a bit longer than Josh Hart. 
his plus minus has been really good, even when he's uh, not shooting well. And um, yeah, Josh Hart is, I don't know what's going on in that guy's head right now, but I think he's shooting 18% from the field in like 10 game in the last 10 games or, or sorry, not from the field, from the three point line mm-hmm. in the last 10 games or so. Um, he needs to work through that. Um, but for now, you know, he, he's, it seems like he, he plays better with the bench because he can sort of do, do the things that he likes to do, you know, like he assesses the game from the uh, bench and then comes in and like tonight he only played 22 minutes, but he got four rebounds, which I think is his season average. He had two steals. Um, he only took one shot. He didn't force it. You know, he only had one turnover. So, uh, I, I, I like the switch and I hope they stick with it. Um, at least until LeBron gets back. When LeBron gets back, maybe you put JaVale back in for Tyson, but I think you can leave in um, KCP over Hart. No, yeah, that's a good point on the Tyson Chandler screens because he does do a much better job of just uh, standing his position and standing his ground and allowing for or just allowing for more space for guys like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, where I think JaVale is always looking to immediately go for the lob. Uh, Tyson Chandler is a little more um, firm-footed in that respect. And I think he's just been a smarter defender, smarter and more stable defender. And you can tell that JaVale McGee is still working through coming back from that illness. He, he, he seems a lot more gassed than usual. And I think just the way he's been playing mentally, it's kind of going back to that shacked in a fool sort of stuff, you know. So he also needs to work through that. And hopefully the benching doesn't uh, mess with his psyche too much. Um, with that said... With, re- with regards to the team in total, the Lakers are now 4-7 and seven without LeBron James, and we've had some, man, some bitter losses to the Cavaliers, to the Knicks. I don't even want to really talk about it. it it's just been so disgusting <laughs> to watch recently and disheartening, what have you. You can put any bad adjective you want to. The Lakers in general have been bad. And, you know, our last podcast, we were pretty lit because we were coming off the 41-point game and the Dallas Mavericks game. And, you know, having seen how the Lakers have looked since then and just looking at and taking a step back, I think it's clear that initially what I thought was going to be a momentum boost, especially with Kyle Kuzma coming back. And when I initially thought that Kuzma coming back was the ultimate fix and we'd kind of just ride him being back with the young core four... And that would solve all the problems. I was clearly wrong. And there's something larger at play here that's just not working. And in totality, the Lakers without LeBron have just been a very, very bad team. They've been a lottery team, a 25 to 30 win team. And those that win against the, the Detroit Pistons, the win against the Dallas Mavericks, and the win against the Sacramento Kings at home... Those were kind of just the outliers uh, versus, you know, what we've been seeing throughout this last month and a half or so with the Lakers just playing a very listless, sloppy brand of basketball that, yes, they've been playing really good defense amidst all of that, but their offense has just been so bad that sometimes it almost doesn't matter. You know, you, you've heard the phrase good defense, better offense, right? For the Lakers, it's like bad defense. Lakers, even more terrible offense. Bad defense, better offense. Yeah, bad defense, better offense. And that's what the Lakers have been doing. And it's been disheartening. They're pretty much playing defense for the other team at this point and making the other team's lives easier on them. And it's it's been a real problem. I, I'm glad that we've got the defensive end short up and the activities there outside of maybe the first quarter or so of the Cleveland game. But... I'm glad that the guys aren't letting their offensive woes trickle into how they play defense, but it's clear that without any half-court offense, without any sets, that our guys are lost out there. We clearly don't have the type of personnel um, to play the brand of basketball that it seems like we're playing, which is pretty much just one primary initiator needs to be the creative one and needs to make something happen out there in the half-court. And most of the time we end up just getting hot potato on the perimeter, shot clock winding down, and whoever has the ball with three seconds left on the perimeter, you just chuck it up for a three. Either that or we'll force feed it into Zubats 
or JaVale McGee or Tyson Chandler and hope that they're able to do something with the ball. And unfortunately, these centers that we have are not the types of guys who can do that. Maybe if we had Brooke Lopez, he'd be able to kind of go to work in the post and use his offensive skill and footwork to do something. But those are not the guys we have. These are not the shooters that we think they are. And so I guess looking at the team in, in total, just just your thoughts on the bigger, larger issues with, with this Lakers team without LeBron. I think we talked about the, how the long, young core has looked and said, in a vacuum, their stats look good. They're doing what they can do to the best of their ability. Maybe not to the best of their ability, but they're not terrible. They haven't been terrible. Their stats bear that out. Uh, their defense bears it out. But I think in the context of what we're asking them to do without LeBron, it's just too much on their shoulders without any sort of help, without any sort of help from the coaching staff and without any sort of help from the front office with regards to roster construction. Because right now, it just seems like we don't have the shooting that we need. We don't have the right types of playmakers that we need. And uh, this is how it's going to look for a little bit on offense till LeBron James comes back. So your thoughts on the larger issues at hand here. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Uh, I mean, it's complicated with this team. You know, like you said, I, I, I always point back to the fact that I, I'm not even worried about these non-LeBron games where we've looked really bad. Um, I'm frankly getting a little tired of the narrative of like, oh, well, you know, we lost LeBron, so what do you expect them to look like? It's like, no, this team should not look this bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's... There's something going on here. I don't know what it is. Um, at some level, you really have to blame the coaches. I mean, this team is... It's a weird situation because this team is severely, like, insanely outperforming expectations defensively. We were hoping we were going to be a middle-of-the-pack team defensively, and we were honestly, like, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And to the f- extent that our defense struggles, it's because our offense puts our defense in bad situations. You know, like, uh, there was some stretch where we were, you know, second in the league in defense since LeBron and Rondo went out. But if you broke it down further, we were first in half-court defense and we were one of the worst teams in the league in transition defense in terms of both frequency and efficiency because we were second to last, I think, besides the Bulls in offense. So our bad offense was just leading to trans and floor balance was leading to transition opportunities for the other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot at play here. I, I, I'm frankly, I don't like the way that the coaching staff phrases every, or at least Luke phrases everything as. You know, we have a bad game. Well, we just got to lock in on defense and we got to use our defense as our identity and use that to ignite our offense. And it's like, yeah, all that defensive preaching has worked, but now, like, what's the offensive plan? You have to be able to score the ball to win the game. You know what I mean? It almost feels like so often the plan was just run, 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 and we'll figure it out. Um, and maybe you can get away with that with a veteran team. And maybe, you know, that's obviously why we look slightly better when LeBron, well, not slightly, we look much better when LeBron and Rondo are out there because those guys can figure it out and they're high IQ players, but that's not our personnel right now. Um, and, and so we need more structure and we haven't seen any semblance of that so far. And I don't know that it's going to come. Yeah, you're right. That's not the personnel we have right now. There's not enough spacing on the floor. And the types of like ball handler playmakers that we have in Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, they can do it, right? And they can sometimes do it really well. But on a night-by-night basis consistently, they're still kind of learning through, they're still learning how to be, to be these point guard-esque playmakers. And they're not the types of guy who can break their man off the dribble from the perimeter and then all of a sudden create wide open seams for their their teammates. They 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 can do it here and there, but 
the way that Luke Walton's offense is structured is like you need to do that every single time down the court. And it just, with the way the floor is spaced, uh, how badly our guys have been shooting from the perimeter and how nobody else can really penetrate, um, it's just it's just been deflating on offense, you know? And this is kind of what we're going to get in the half court, at least, till LeBron comes back, because he's the only one who can really bend the defense on his own from his own dribble. Uh, Brandon Ingram can do it when he's under control like he was tonight, and he's just kind of patrolling in the paint and posting up. But other times when the defense collapses onto him and strips the ball from him, then we're in trouble. Um, I think the biggest thing has been Lonzo just being more aggressive, and even though he makes mistakes, continuing to force the issue in that respect as the primary initiator. But I think as we move closer to the trade deadline, it's clear that the front office should probably address the shooting woes and some of just the the playmaking scoring woes that the Lakers currently have that Beasley has sort of kind of filled. But it seems like the way that Luke likes to play too is to also use the center as a safety valve and not just in the let me lob it up variety, but They've literally force-fed it into... How many times have we seen a JaVale McGee ISO for no reason the last it's three It's, like, games? horrible. Like, that literally should never happen. Like, JaVale McGee took 10, 10 shots in this game, and you're thinking, okay, 10 shots. Some of those were lobs. Some of those were, you know, he had good... You know, he shot three for 10, but you're not thinking if you just look at the box score... You're assuming he just, you know, missed some layups or had some taps that missed or, you know, couldn't get a handle and missed some dunks, you know, whatever. And that's fine. That kind of stuff happens. But what you're not expecting is these plays where, you know, Brandon Ingram comes or somebody comes up the floor, is dribbling the ball, you know, just pounding it, pounding it, pounding it away. 14 seconds elapses before we've even made one pass. And then the ball goes to JaVale. There's no action. There's no movement. And JaVale just turns and faces and shoots an 18-foot jump shot. That should literally never happen in the game unless it's, you know, an out-of-bounds play and there's one second left on the shot clock. You know, and it feels like multiple times a game that's happening to us. Or JaVale catches at the top and, like you said, tries to go one-on-one ISO from 18 feet away towards the basket. And he's successful about 10% of the time doing that. Um, you know, these are things that should literally never happen and they happen to us multiple times a game. Well, and the problem too, is I think that unfortunately this is not how I personally would want to play, but the way that the offense is structured or not structured, it seems like the Lakers would really benefit from having a low post guy who can actually score down there at the last second, you know, because let's say, we, that's not JaVale McGee who gets the ball, and it's Brooke Lopez. He he would actually be able to do something with the ball, right? Uh, unfortunately, that's just not the guy we have right now, and for some reason, it's happening far too often, whether it's JaVale McGee or even just force-feeding it to Zubats. And, you know, Zubats has been relatively good here and there this season with regards to having softer hands and, you know, having a softer touch around the basket, but he's still not some sort of Brooke Lopez, even a... Greg Monroe type offensive skilled post player right now. So we won't name any specific names yet. We'll just, we'll, we'll bring that up in a future episode, but I think moving forward as we approach the trade deadline, I think two areas of specific need that I think the Lakers would probably want to target would be shooting. And maybe Svima Kailu can sort of help in that respect. Uh, He hit two threes tonight and looked a lot better uh, curling off of screens and maybe this is lower priority to shooting, I think, but it's I think it would still help just because having someone some big to dump it down low to in the post that can actually that's actually offensively competent and not just in the lob variety would actually be good. An offensive center, offensively skilled center, if that's possible. So shooting and an offensively skilled center. Anything else that any template or archetype that you're looking at as well? Yeah, I really don't think we're that far off in terms of pieces. Um, and I I pretty much mirror what you said. I'll I'll go a little bit further. I, I think if we had one dead-eye shooter, and by dead-eye I mean a guy who can just hit 40%. You know, it doesn't matter what team. It doesn't matter what – you know, I'm talking about like the Kyle Korver caliber. Mm-hmm. Like not Kyle Korver himself who's like an elite, you know, shooter and shoots 45% and has, you know, for 20 years. But – Somebody who can hit like 40% consistently. One of those types of guys 
another guy who would just, you know, is just a good shooter. I think three-point shooting is contagious, and part of the problem we have right now is every – and it's like the free throws. It's like kind of mental, right? Yes. Like everybody is so bad that there's so much pressure when each person goes up. It's like the weight of the entire team is on them to make two free throws because mm-hmm. the whole team is struggling so bad. The weight of everybody – the entire team is on them to make a wide-open three. But once you have guys who just start, like, raining threes, like, you think of Kyle Korver, he sometimes come, comes into the game off the bench, catches it with no space, rains a three, and all of a sudden everybody can make threes now. You know? So it's like those types of players are super important. And I also think the thir- third type of, uh, third player we need, a low-post scoring threat. Um, and, yeah, we could run through – I don't know if we have time, but if you, uh, maybe at a different time we could run through some possibilities of guys. But I think, you know, we've seen it before where LeBron has had major changes to his rosters midseason, and they've had a huge, huge effect. I mean, the season – first season with the Cavs, you know, saw you saw what they did and, and then how that translated in the playoffs. Um, second season, they made moves. You know, it's it, – it's, uh, it, it's – Contending teams have to make these types of moves midseason, and I we have enough pieces and enough assets um, in terms of expiring contracts and actual young assets and picks and whatnot to make something happen. So, yeah, and I think even for that low post offensive score, I'm talking about off the bench to help out the younger guys and whoever's coming off that bench unit, right? Because it's just like such a huge almost relief to if there's nothing going on and the offense is bogged down, which it typically is to just dump it into the post, you know, and have someone who can actually do something with it. And the defense may actually pay attention to that guy. If he's actually offensively skilled, and that's another way to pull in the defense versus what we've been doing recently, where we're just literally swinging the ball almost like around the world on the perimeter, you know? And it's like the defense is barely moving because they, they're not afraid of you attacking the paint or whoever's, the center in the paint. They're not afraid of that guy either. So we end up just chucking up a bad contested three. So I think that's why we're, we're kind of one pinpointing, obviously get a better three point shooter, which is obvious, but also maybe get a low post scoring threat who can kind of bend the defense that way. And not even just for the benefit of the three point shooter, but just it, it's another safety valve for the Lakers to use. And it's clear that the, the Lakers young guys need as many handicaps as they can get right now. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Um, with that said, let's close our show and actually talk about the young core. You know, Tommy, you and I talked about something that I think we came to the realization of today, just today, as we were conversing about the future and the trade deadline. And did you just did you want to talk about and this is going to be in relation to the Lakers upcoming 2019 first round pick. I think initially when Luau Deng got stretched and we realized, oh, my gosh, we have this first round pick in our backhand pocket. That's amazing because initially we thought we'd have to use that pick to offload Dang, but now that we have it, we were like, okay, we're for sure going to trade that pick for some help uh, at the trade deadline to help LeBron out. And then as the season went on and I've been thinking about it, I've recently come to the conclusion, or not the conclusion, but the realization that maybe the Lakers would actually keep it because they need to hoard as many assets as they can for Anthony Davis. And so there's no way they're, they're going to trade that first round pick. And then in the recent days, as I've come to think about it more and more, I've kind of come back around to thinking that, you know, there is a possibility where the Lakers might actually just leverage their their 2019 first round draft pick to get some immediate help now. And even if it's not at the trade deadline, that maybe they'll shop that pick uh, during draft day before they even make their selection, because it really does them no good to actually draft a player with that pick and then try and trade that in an Anthony Davis package because the moment we draft that pick and put a face to that 2019 first rounder, it loses all of its value pretty much. And so 
I feel like this season, the Lakers kind of need to juggle carefully what to actually do with that 2019 first rounder. And I don't think it's as simple as, yeah, we're just going to keep it and come draft day, we're going to do what we usually do and scout and study all of these young prospects and see who can help us uh, fill out our roster. Because I think as we both realized, this may be like one of the last times that we see this many quote-unquote young core developing players on this roster. Because right now we have about, we have Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, Hart, Zubats, Mo Wagner, Svima Kailu, and Isaac Bonga. That's eight guys. That's a lot. And and with regards to how much the Lakers have changed in the last offseason, there's no way that that count is going to get larger or even stay the same. So I'm kind of convoluted right now, but I guess what's your thoughts on just um, where the Lakers stand in terms of the youth that they've assembled and how they're going to go about consolidating that youth uh, going forward and and whether or not you think, and I guess how that affects their strategy with these upcoming first round draft selections of theirs. So yeah, I, I think you summarized it pretty well. I think the general thing here is, like you said, for the longest time we thought that there's no way the Lakers are going to trade their 2019 first round pick. They got out of Deng's contract without moving it. That means they intend to keep it. Uh, you know, we thought all these things, but when you really start to break it down, it's like, okay, actually, wait a minute. Look at the Lakers salary cap situation. Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Isaac Bonga, Svee Mikhailuk, and Mo Wagner. That's seven players. Those seven players are, you know, going to be 23, 24 years old or younger. Uh, most of them much younger, and they're all guaranteed contract. Uh, they're all on guaranteed contracts for next season. I cannot imagine, you know, this year from the beginning, after it became apparent we were not going to get two max players. This year was always supposed to be the experimental year. I mean, we even talked last year about how you know we had all these grandiose plans for LeBron and Paul George, but we even talked about it is very possible. That even if we end up with LeBron and Paul George, we end up with a roster of eight young guys. And we have eight young guys right now. Um, But uh, the experiment is kind of over after this year. You know, the guys that we have, uh, we're developing with LeBron and we're continuing to develop within our team culture and within our offensive, whatever our offensive system is, um, or like in our defensive schemes, like this is invaluable time that you can't just like transfer to another player. You know what I mean? Especially a player who's 19 years old, um, coming right out of college. And so part of me wants to think like, okay, well, and I, we were having this conversation offline earlier, but my initial thought was, okay, well, you know, the pick has value. Um, picks always have value. If the Lakers need to make a trade midseason, maybe they look to move Josh Hart before they look to move that pick because, you know, Josh Hart is a shooting guard, 6'5", not particularly oversized or overskilled in any one thing. You know, he's not an amazing defender, although, you know, in fact, he's a below-average on-ball defender. He's just a pretty good off-ball defender, team defender, so it kind of balances everything out. He's a good rebounder, but doesn't do anything super well offensively. Um, that's the type of player that you could imagine in the 20 to 30 range uh, being able to find somebody like that, or even potentially better, potentially, you know? But what that a kind of analysis that I was doing earlier leaves out is is the fact that Josh Hart has had now last year growing up with this team and with his teammates and with the system. And now this year playing with LeBron and presumably if we make the, when we make the playoffs playing in important playoff games and getting that experience. And when you really start to think of all those things, it's like the players that we have become that much more valuable and this unknown, you know, 19, 20 year old player, even 22 year old player. If we draft an older, older guy is not going to help their rookie season as much as Josh Hart, a, a Josh Hart caliber player would, or even a Sfee would, um, given his year of experience by the time all this happens. So I, I, th- I think the larger point is like, we want to reap the benefits of their growing pains right now. Right. 
And yeah, you're going to have to go through this entire process again with whoever you draft. With a new player. With a new because player, Because this happens yeah. for everybody. You know, and like nobody is immune from this. There are those, you know, one in a million, not one in a million, but like the rare player, maybe a few every draft who like are... Luca. Like Luca, but even Luca, you know, the Dallas Mavericks are 20 and 23, which is actually not bad for the West. But point being, um, it's rare to see, look at all the top teams. And I don't count the 76ers because they play in the East and they have two freaks. <laughs> um, but like most of the other top teams, you look at them and they're not heavily, heavily leaning on extremely young players the same way that we are. Um most of them don't have a rookie playing a prominent role in, you know, anything they're trying to do. And so, you know, the more you think about it, the more it's like, okay, so what, it, what really is this 2019 pick worth to us? Um, it's still a first rounder and it has value around the league. So you don't just give it away, but I think they might be a little more aggressive with that pick than, uh, you know, maybe I would have thought um, a few a few weeks ago or even a few months ago. I think we've been caught up in the trust the process mode for a long time that even with LeBron James in the fray here and seeing none of the young core pieces really get moved, it's easy to fall in line with that same thinking that this is just how we're going to keep doing things. And Rob Palink and Magic Johnson have said that they're going to be very delicate and careful with, you know, winning now while also building the future. And I think that's all well and good, and they're 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 definitely going to do that. But that doesn't mean that there's gonna there's not gonna be more collateral damage along the way. I mean, we've already had Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell. But I don't even you know I don't even consider it collateral damage. It's just at some level, it's just making your team better. No, you know no, exactly. I mean? like, You're yeah. right. Maybe I phrase it wrong. Not collateral damage, but just the process of making a contending team. And I think in everybody's ideal scenario the players that we fill our roster out with are cheap are, are young players on cheap contracts because you can control them, right? But at a certain point, if you think about it, championship teams have more veteran exception type guys than they do cheap young guys. So I think in, in the future, our roster will be filled less with Zvi, Mo, Bonga type guys and more of the Rondo, Beasley variety anyways, you know? So continuing to pick up these draft assets or continuing to draft players I don't think is going to be in the Lakers future plans to the extent that it has been obviously I think we'll still do our second round drafting and whatnot but I think for us moving forward the first round draft picks that we have which we keep from now till you know forever they're more valuable to us as potential assets to use in a bigger package for a superstar or even for help at the trade deadline at this point and I think it's just taken us a little bit even half the season to kind of snap back into this realization right because it is a paradigm shift and we haven't we we haven't had a trade deadline with this front office in this sort of context with regards to a quote-unquote contending team right and I think it's good to kind of just prep ourselves and prime ourselves for the fact that I don't think it's going to be status quo as usual in terms of, oh, yeah, just we're going to keep our pick. We're going to, you know, do our draft day analysis come draft time. And we're going to get another Mo Wagner and Svi Mikhailu. Because in reality, if we're if we're looking at what's going on this season without a second superstar, Mo Wagner can barely get on the court. And he was our first round pick. Svi Mikhailu, great job. He's starting to gain confidence, but it's taken him half the season to hit two three pointers in a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know so and this no, is this I mean, is the, this true, is the yeah. perfect platform that they're ever going to have this is the best time they're going to have to be able to test all that out because come next year should we get a second superstar or not even a second superstar but let's just say a stopgap sort of max guy these guys are going to be even more pinched for minutes so we're looking at bonga and we're like why what is bonga even doing here right now yeah no no i totally agree and and you know even thinking back to all of our guys though i mean we've like Sfi is a second round pick. Mo Wagner was a late first round pick this year. The only reason, you know, any of our other guys are even made any type of noise or he showed anything is because we were forced to play them. You know, when you're a contending team, you're not forced to play your young guys. But I mean, even look at how, you know, our number two picks, D'Angelo did not have a good rookie season minus a couple games. You know, Brandon Ingram had a horrible rookie season. Lonzo Ball did not have a very good rookie season. Julius Randle didn't have a very good rookie season. These are top seven picks. 
you know, for, you know, four different guys, you can't expect a 20 to 30 guy, you know, Kuzma is a diamond in the rough in that sense. It's, it's so rare that that happens. And because of that, you know, when you're building a contending team, like we're trying to do, you, you, maybe you move those types of picks. And even Kuzma's going through his growing pains as well. So it it just shows you that I think we're at that draw the line in the sand moment for the Lakers, right? And we haven't realized it yet because, well, we haven't experienced a trade deadline with this front office. We haven't experienced a draft day with this front office with regards to the LeBron era, right? And we're going to see that coming up soon. And like you mentioned, at this point, some people might say, yeah, let's just trade Josh Hart. But as you mentioned, in terms of the invaluableness of what he's experienced, even in his struggles, that's going to hopefully pay off for us uh, down the road. And at this point, he may be more valuable to us than the 2019 first rounder, even though that guy doesn't have his contract yet. And you have four more years with him, et cetera, et cetera. Those four more years may not matter at all because we're not even going to be able to showcase him for, (laughs) you know, whatever team we inevitably package him to, you know, for in a larger trade. So and you see this, I mean, like, this shouldn't be a new concept. It is for us because we've been bad for eight years or whatever, but a lot of the, you see, you see this almost every year with those fringe teams that are drafting in the, you know, 13 to 17 range, let's say, and they get interesting prospects, but those teams who are drafting in that range are usually playoff contenders the following season because that's where they ended, right? They ended right either right in at the bottom of the playoffs or just out of the playoffs. So even guys who like are in that range are rarely contributing, you know, solid rotation players for their contending teams. Um, so it's it's just unreal, unrealistic to expect it for a team like us, which you know, we're theoretically hoping to be competing for a championship maybe by next year. And so you'd agree that daddy daycare's over, babysitting time is done. One eight seven 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 cars cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. So donate <laughs> your car to so <laughs> it is so stupid. I think only people in LA will know that song. But yes, donate your car today because this is the last time that you may see this many kids on the court. As soon as next year, with the Anthony Davis rumors and, and all that jazz, especially if we get another Max Star, you could see consolidation as soon as next year. And I'm not even just talking for, about the fringe draft picks, V, Mo, etc., but obviously from the young core guys. So um, again, this year was a trial out year. These guys have till the rest of this year. I doubt they make any big splashes or big moves at the trade deadline. But one thing is certain, Eight young guys is not what's going to happen next year as well. I don't think we're going to keep that many young guys. And as we see, even having Bong on the roster right now is impeding us from even signing another dude, you know? So it's it's even hurting us now. And uh, LeBron James Definitely. is not going to waste another year having to babysit and kind of groom younger guys. So, I mean, But I don't even think it's like, you know, a LeBron James thing. I just think at some point, yeah, you know, at some point you have to, it's like we always used to, I don't know if we always did, but I, at least I always used to criticize the Sixers in the sense of like, eventually you have to stop and just like accept the pieces you have and move on. You can't just keep cycling forever. And that's kind of where we've landed. Um, once you get some things that hit and for the Sixers, it was a couple of their players hit and for us, it's free agency hits. So once something hits, you just have to accept what you have and use your assets to build a team, not just continue to acquire 19-year-olds. You kind of got to pivot smartly. And that's not to say if the Lakers do their scouting job and they really find a prospect that they for sure know is going to hit it out of the park at 23, that they, should, they, that they shouldn't take that guy, you know? I'm just saying in general, uh, the larger process and plan moving forward has kind of shifted it a little a little and we kind of have to get on board with that possibility and that program because that's just naturally where things tend to progress and veer towards once you get a guy like LeBron James and the priorities and motivations of the team are totally different you know so barring the we find Luka Doncic at number 23 or another Kyle Kuzma or whatever and I guess you know the, the Lakers front office has done really well scouting those guys but like you said the reason why we've been able to see these diamonds in the roughs is because they've gotten the opportunity and the playing time to show their skills, right? 
even if we find another Kyle Kuzma, he's not going to get the opportunity or playing time to even show that he's the next Kyle Kuzma, right? So I think that's all we're saying. And so, yeah, Daddy Take Care is done. 1877-CARS-FOR-KIDS is done. Donate your car. Nap time's done. What else do we have here? No more play time in the, the bouncy house. Um, that's all I got. All right. With that said, trade deadline's coming up. We're, of course, going to talk more about potential prospects. We didn't name any specific guys, but we do have guys in mind. And Daniels. Ooh, okay. Did you hear Tommy? Hope you didn't. But also, we have thoughts on if the Lakers were to trade their 2019 first-round pick, which is valuable in any way that you shake it, what guys would be worth it? Because they would have to be a rental sort of player. Uh, with that said, that'll do it for our episode. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for the Chicago Bulls. Man, rough stretch coming up for the Lakers. LeBron James, I'm doing a Hail Mary right now. Please come back. He was shooting jump shots today, attended shoot-around. Will be reevaluated this week, tomorrow. And hopefully he can make it back against uh, one of OKC, Houston, or the Golden State Warriors. Uh, with that said, thank you guys for listening. Once again, follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Also, we are currently not on Stitcher. There's something going on with our account. But you can find us on iTunes, obviously. Uh, you can find us on Podbay, Podbean, Player FM, and also the direct megaphone link that I tweet out on our Twitter account. Also, I'm hoping to get this up on Spotify as well. So yeah, we will catch you guys next time. Tommy. Peace. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your cars today. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.